Simon Miller from What Culture here. And before we do get into this week's wrestling ups and downs for Raw, I just want to tell you about a social experiment I conducted over the last few days because I'm weird. I said to my sister, why don't you Google some WWE superstars and let me know your first impressions? And she came back to me and said, why do they all have long dark hair? And why do they all have beards? Because she had found Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre and Elias. Damn it, she wasn't wrong. But this is the web we weave for ourselves because wrestling is really weird and there's just a ton of things that we do accept. But are we going to accept this week's episode of Raw? We find out by taking the finger of power and by giving the good bits an up. That's right, my friend. And the bad bits are down. And if you've never watched this show before and you're thinking, that bull guy just talked to his finger, you damn right. And this is how you start Raw. Ooh, da lally. It has long been known that we should move away from the opening promo because we just do it every single week and it becomes exceptionally dull. But this time, we were doing Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. I ain't gonna lie to you, I was excited. We had a couple of quick promos to set the scene as well and this tied into the whole story that we've been doing since July, August, whenever the hell it was because this time Bianca was ready for Becky Lynch. So for the first few minutes, she was just whipping her ass. She hadn't been surprised as she had been at SummerSlam. She had a game plan and the game plan was win. I mean, that's the game plan for all wrestlers. Stop ruining my show. Bianca Belair is such a good baby face too because she effortlessly goes from, oh, I'm so happy, look at the joy on my face, to I'm a super serious sports entertainer and I will end you. And while she's already a star, if we continue to build her as we should, she will be a super duper mega star. They were throwing each other into the ring post at one point and big time Bex was like, now I've done it. But she hadn't done it at all because Bianca then just fired up with all of these moves and she ended this with this delayed vertical suplex, which was so good, I think I died and then came back to life. I don't know what that means, but I think my brain saw it and went, well, that can't be a real thing. So I'm just gonna have to shut off for a bit, then went and I powered back on. There's also a great near fall after the manhandle slam when Bianca got to the ropes at like 2.999 and then Bianca Belair had a good near fall of her own where she hit the glam slam and these two really do have such good chemistry. The only real issue, the only real problem I suppose is that when we did get to the finish, WWE went WWE. You can't really get too mad at it though, because it'd be like ordering a pizza and then being pissed off it had cheese in it. It's just what they did. So as Bianca Belair was going for the KOD, they kind of wiggled their way over to the turnbuckle. Becky Lynch grabbed the top one. She exposed it because she then realized the steel was there. She took Belair's head. She smashed it into it and then hit the most devastating moment. Oh, that sports entertainment, the surprise roll up. And she got the one, two, three. She is still your women's champion. But who cares though? I know WWE loves that finish and trust me, they're gonna do it multiple times throughout the evening, but this was an awesome match and I had a rollicking good time. When I have a rollicking good time, things get it up. We then jumped to the back where we saw the Mysterios being interviewed and Ray was all like, Dom, I was so proud for you beating up Austin Theory last week, but also Austin Theory, you absolute goober. I know you're just trying to use my legacy in order to climb up the ladder. Well, loads of people have tried that before and they They've all failed. I was like, Ray, actually, if we go through your win-loss record in WWE, the other person has benefited every single time. Austin Theory literally must have been listening to this over there, though, because he then skulked into the camera frame like a Looney Tune. He was like, ah, Ray Mysterio, you're a piece of crap. 
and of course we did that because they were about to have a match. Sadly, this then ended in a DQ, so bring it down, the counter rolls up to 51, and much like the Raw opening promo, I'm just bored of it. If you're gonna set up a match, pick a winner. Like, I would have been fine if Austin Theory had won. Oh my gosh, Austin Theory beat Rey Mysterio. It's not like WWE ever protects Rey Mysterio ever, so for that, it's getting it down. As ever though, we have the usual game of ping pong because the match was really entertaining. So up. The key was Dominic who did keep getting involved and I was a bit like, why would daddy be okay with this? He should be telling his son not to be a goon and actually it went badly for him eventually because Austin Theory kicked him right in the face. And I think we were meant to be mad about that. And I was like, no, Dom, you had it coming. This is the issue, though, because Domi kept doing this a lot. And really, he went one step too far. Because just when Rey Mysterio was about to go from the 619, Dominic went poop, and he punched Austin right in the face. And this time, the referee was like, well, I can't possibly let that go. I must do my job. And of course, this led, as you already know, to the disqualification. It does kind of feel like we're still teasing this turn for Rey Mysterio's offspring as well. Afterwards, it looked like they had fallen out, but Rey was like, oh, son, you'll still always be my boy, because I've just aged Rey Mysterio 50 years. I don't really know anybody that wants to see Dominic Mysterio be a heel, but you never know. We shall let it play out. WWN then put the Raw opening promo segment, which I really have to stop going on about, at the start of the second hour. And I was totally fine with this because, again, it's change up. It meant that Seth Rollins was out to brag that he is now the number one contender before Big E interrupted him, because, again, that's what we always do. And Big E had a tremendous line here when he was like, look, I asked my auntie about you. She was like, you need to stay away from that crazy person. He's not right in the head. Rollins then just tried to get Big E to hand him the WWE title, which has to be the worst plan since the Maginot line. And this is when Big E went full babyface and said, oh, you know what, Seth Rollins, we should fight tonight. And of course, Seth said no. Although he does have a good point. He was in a hell in a cell. He was in a ladder match. Dude probably needs some rest. Before they could get anywhere, Kevin Owens then interrupted. And honestly, that interruption counter in 2022 is going to absolute doozy. And he was sick and tired of everybody in the show going, I'm the face of Raw. I'm the face of Raw. Because not only is Seth Rollins doing it, not only is Big E doing it, not only is Bianca Belair doing it, but Becky Lynch is doing it. And really, it should be his handsome face. So now everybody is literally doing it. So hell, why are the face of Raw? His idea, though, was for him to face Big E, given that Seth Rollins doesn't want to do it. And of course, because they are both good guys, they said that sounds like a great idea. Which did mean that our main event was Big E versus Kevin Owens. And I will tell you the truth, I was making some very excited noises. Not in a weird way, you absolute freak. I meant because I was ready for this. I then got mad. Now, this makes me a nerd, but it's still true. But we saw Carmella and Zelina Vega being friends in the back when they bumped into Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash. And of course, all four of these people fell out. And you could just see it happening before your eyes, or you could hear the meeting when somebody in WWE created went, oh, crap. We broke up all the women's tag teams. What are we going to do? Well, we have two random women here. Why don't we just squidge them together? And it really is a weird pairing as well because we've taken a queen and thrown her in with a mask-wearing psychopath. As I keep saying today, it is just so lazy. And we don't need any laziness so down. We then did get this tag team match and I did calm down because at least the women's tag team titles are back in play. And you could see this coming a mile off. That, of course, Selena Vega and Carmella were going to win. So we did have some number one contenders. And look, it's not the best thing you're ever going to see in your life. You wouldn't write home about it, which would be a strange thing to do anyway. But it was more than fine. I will take what I can get. We should also be somewhat happy because they actually got 10 minutes, which has not been the way recently. <laughs> Naturally, <laughs> it ended in a distraction. Oh, gets me right in the tum-tum. Pull down my distraction board. 117. 
We've got what, like eight weeks left in the year? I am seeing that 150. And it was a little eyebrow raising because it kind of did resemble our opening match, especially when Carmella threw Rhea Ripley into the post. This sent Nikki Ash crazy. She was like, oh, come here, Carmella. I'm going to beat you up. Completely forgetting that Zelina Vega was a legal person. She hit the code red. One, two, three. Ipso facto, we done. And I'm sure we'll probably have this match next week. And I was a little bit perturbed. I'm like, why wasn't Vega hitting their like fence German suplex? But hopefully we will see that down the line. Owens and Chad Gable with their backstage trying to recruit Big E. I mean, of all the things. Big E won the conversation when he said that he could join Alpha Academy, but he'd be worried and turned into a giant thumb, such as Otis. And then we found out that we were going to get Chad Gable versus Finn Balor. Once again, I was all like, ooh, ooh, ooh. That's what I do when I'm excited. Gable even said to Biggie, well, you should watch what I'm about to do into my match. And I really hope that Biggie listened because this was flubbing great. Up. It's exactly the kind of stuff that Raw needs more of because Finn Balor is a tremendous wrestler and Chad Gable is criminally underrated. That's right, criminally. To the point that police should go around to Vince Man House and arrest him and say, well, look, you're not doing enough with Chad Gable, so you're coming with us. Chad kept trying to work over Finn's ankle as well and he sold this so well. I was like... Oh man, I hope he's not really hurt. And at one point when Finn Balor was in the ankle lock, he kind of like popped up and transitioned into an armbar. This was such terrific technical wrestling and I want to see more of it. So for a while, it really looked like Chad Gable may have had Balor's number, which is why the finish was so good. Because Chad Gable kept reversing everything that Finn gave him to the point he was like, ah, I'm going to hit you with a superplex. And he kind of did do it, but because Finn Balor has loads of experience, as soon as they did hit the mat, he turned into the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment and he got the one, two, three. And once again, I was just going crazy because it was so well worked. It also kind of protects Chad because he can all be like, well, I didn't see it coming. And yes, I know that once again, WWE has over on the surprise roll up. But at least on this night, every time they did do it, what preceded it absolutely kicked ass. We then had some nonsense backstage between Riddle and Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode because of course they all hate each other now. And then we zoomed to the ring because we were having the Dirty Dogs taking on the Street Profits. RK Bro, we're on commentary here. WWE has done my pet peeve where they took Randy Orton's theme and they took Riddle's theme and they just muddled it up all together. Now actually, this is far better than usual but it still drives me crazy, and I don't know why. I'm also turning into a broken record here, because every time we do get anything in the tag team division, I always feel like, man, we desperately need some new teams. And this also continues to me sounding like a broken record, because again, Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Roode, Tweet Profits, they're all so damn good. This was a really good match, and it's getting it up. Ford also did one of his insane dives that is so good looking, I just want to take it out for dinner. Although just as this was getting going, we did fall into Groundhog Day territory, which I thought we were moving away from. Because Omos's music hit, and he walked down to the ring, and Montez Ford, like an absolute goon, was like, oh my gosh, forgot I was a wrestler. And he went to attack Omos. That allowed Dolph Ziggler to do something to him, but the cameras missed it, and that made me chuckle. But the point is, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode got the win. So yes, that is another distraction. Bring it down, it rolls up to 118. And my big concern is where is AJ Styles? I hope he's okay, I hope he hasn't hurt himself, and I'm sure he will be back soon. And afterwards, Omos just destroyed everybody, apart from Randy Orton. Now you may be saying, well, I bet they got into a brawl, and maybe they did, and maybe they didn't, but just as Orton was going, oh, I'm gonna get him, I'm gonna get him, we just cut to a video package of what Damien Priest had done seven days ago. 
I think someone may have accidentally hit the button a bit too early. The formatting of Raw then screwed Damien Priest down. Because it started great with Damien Priest cutting a promo going, oh man, I'm in a dark place now, I'm all crazy crazy and this thing's always been inside of me, but now it's leaking out, which is why I'm about to have another match with T-Bar. And I was like, why does WWE do this? They just fall into a pan and they start running everything into the ground which is why I did have to give this a down as I've already said. The thing is though, when we did get into T-Bar versus Damian Priest round two, and it was a no disqualification match, which means we couldn't have any shenanigans, it was flubbing brilliant. Like you could see T-Bar get rid of his retribution nonsense and become Dominic Dijakovic once again, to the point you should go and watch this. They absolutely wrecked each other and it is getting it up. Now, I'm not sure what it says about T-Bar's future because he was in control for a lot of this. I mean, he had a kendo stick and he was going wild with it and he was hitting all his big moves and he even tied Damien Priest in the ropes at one pit. Damien was like, oh, I'm in so much trouble. What am I going to do? But that's when he flipped this new arm oh, crazy switch and he went crazy because he got a chair and he was just whacking T-Bar all around the place like he wanted to kill him. And when he was on the apron, he gave him this choke slam through a table on the outside, which hit the table so hard, the table went and just exploded. I know you're now going, Simon, that was not the noise of an explosion. But what do you think I am? That guy from Police Academy, if you did think that, what the hell are you doing? So yeah, honestly, really good. And right after the fact, Apollo Crews and Aziz came out and they did that WWE thing when they basically went, geese title shot, and Damien was like, I, I geese you the title shot. And I really would prefer if WWE gave me some story, but look, they'll have some good matches as well, so at least that's something. We are also now tying this 24-7 nonsense into whole John Morrison's, oh my gosh, I'm meditating. I'm not gonna lie, I was gonna give this a down, it was not good and it was really stupid, but when our truth was chasing Reggie for that belt, he said something like, stop going all Super Nintendo, and I laughed. Our truth is a national treasure. We then did the exact same Apollo Crews spot with Becky Lynch, because she was doing a promo after the fact saying, oh, I'm the best, everybody loves me, and I can't believe people booed me, even though nobody was really booing, when Liv Morgan approached her and just stared her right in the eye. Becky Lynch went all shrug emoji, and she walked off, but you just know we're gonna do this, and again, I was like, oh my gosh, why can't we come up with some kind of narrative? Like, if you were able to sneak into the WWE arena and go backstage and look at a champion, I think that officially means, according to the rules, you would be the number one contender because it's just happening all the damn time. We were then getting ready for our main event when Seth Rollins found Kevin Owens backstage and my word, did they have a good conversation because Seth was like, hey, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I'll help you win later. And then when I'm the WWE champion, you can be the first guy in line. And Kevin was all like, oh my gosh, that sounds really good. But he was joking. And this really does tie into the finish of the show, so much so, it was incredibly well worked. And so yes, it was then time for KO versus Big E. And just to double down on what I said earlier, I was so pumped for this, I basically blew up like a balloon. Up. They probably murked each other in the early going with some sentons that were so stiff, I was like, poor Big E, he's just been crushed. And at this stage, I realized, oh my gosh, they're gonna do a big man slapping meat match, whatever the hell Big E said. And that got me even more excited, and I didn't think that was possible. There was this awesome bit too when Big E stopped the stunner and he hit a belly to belly, but then he was gonna go for a splash on the outside, but he missed. So Kevin Owens gave him a cannonball to the outside and then followed it up with another senton. And that's when, again, WWE went WWE and we heard, burn it down. 
and out came Seth Rollins. This was the key to everything though, because after Biggie and Kevin Owens had just smacked each other around, they clonked heads and they were kind of all wibbly wobbly. And this is when Seth Rollins was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to attack Big E. And when KO got back to his feet, he didn't know what was going on. So he went for the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. It failed. So Big E then went for the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. But his worked and he got the one, two, three. And as a quick aside, yes, that's three on this show. Did we need it? No, but don't worry about it. Because when Big E realized what was happened, he was all like, you knew what you were doing, Kevin Owens. And Kevin Owens was like, no, I didn't know that this son of a bitch had done it and in fact I'm so mad I want to match with Seth Rollins next week but do you remember the history with Kevin Owens and Big E Kevin Owens absolutely screwed the new day and when you go through all his friendships Sami Zayn and Chris Jericho he's always doing this so Big E was like nah bruh I don't believe you you a piece of trash I absolutely hate you and that's right right now I'm gonna give you the big ending so no this isn't Big E going heel this is Big E remembering what has happened in the past and acting like a smart babyface. It also makes it hella more interesting than it would have been otherwise, because I suppose we will get Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens next week, and then what is Biggie going to do? What's going to happen to the WWE title? This was one of the best endings to Raw in ages, because not only did it leave you with a cliffhanger, but it left you going, ha, huh, I wonder what's going to happen which is basically what a cliffhanger is anyway. I mean, they do forget to do that a lot, and I just loved seeing the WWE Champion, here's me with my imaginary belt, taking absolutely no squid. So all of this was actually pretty damn good, and if you can believe it, Raw overall, more than fine, to the point I am giving it an up. <laughs>